all those fun scenarios we've done over recent weeks as to what would have happened if related to the Eastern Conference playoff field. Well, don't waste one split second wondering what would have happened if your favorite hockey team ran into that opponent in the Stanley Cup final. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates, the other two teams I cover in town. I hope you'll check those out as well. The Lightning is no match at all for the Avalanche. This isn't even remotely interesting. That might have been the most boring single game I've seen in any cup final since the Devils were making regular appearances in cup finals, and everything that those Devils did was boring. This was boring just because it was hilariously one-sided. Colorado dominated in every single aspect except goaltending. And I don't even say that seriously because Darcy Kemper was never tested. Colorado had 15 of the first 16 shot attempts. And just when you're thinking, oh, they just came out hard and the Lightning are going to bounce back, it just kept coming. It never stopped for three full periods. The speed, the size, the strength, everything, the skill, the smarts, the sound strategy, everything, everything, everything went Colorado's way for 60 full minutes. It ended up 7-0, and it might as well have been 14-0. And by that, I'm not saying that Andre Vasilevsky was himself. He wasn't. He wasn't any good either. There's only ever been one game in the long history of the Stanley Cup final that was a more lopsided shutout, and you know it well, because that was Penguins 8, North Star 0 in Bloomington, Minnesota, clinching the franchise's first cup on May 25th of 1991. And no, I didn't look that up. No one should ever have to look up that date. This this isn't, this isn't even interesting. I, I can't see how, barring some sort of significant letdown on the part of the Avs, this doesn't wind up being a sweep. And yeah, I know they're going to Tampa and whatever else. I'm sorry. There is just no stopping what Colorado is doing. When you're talking about a normal championship run, you're talking about at least having a couple of tough series along the way. You're talking about having a couple of individual players really rise up above the rest. And I'm not about to downplay anything that we're seeing from Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr are the very best guys that the Avs have, particularly McCarr, who's just, I mean, wow, this, this kid. But really, if you look at where the Avs' offense is coming from, it's from all over. JT Confers scored some big goals for them this summer. Andre Burakovsky, uh, Valery Nichushkin with a huge goal and being named number one star in game two, and it could have been any of a bunch of guys. It could be Makar every game. But they're deep. They're diversified in terms of their skill sets and roles. And they're dedicated as hell. I and mean, when you watch 
that team and you see the fire that Gabe Landeskog, their captain in particular, brings to the equation, there's nothing that they're missing other than elite goaltending. And again, they don't need it. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I could have and did come up with a scenario along the way that the Penguins could have made it to the final. And none of it was pipe dream, Homer stuff, wishful thinking. None of it. They had the Rangers on the ropes 3-1 to one with an AHL goaltender. One more save from any goaltender, and they advanced through that round. Would it have been trouble beating the Hurricanes? Sure. Would they have done it? Sure. Why? Carolina doesn't have goaltending. The Penguins will beat any team that doesn't have goaltending. That's been true forever, and it very much applies to this team. Lightning? You know, I want to say the Lightning should have been favored and probably would have won, except that I watched these teams in the regular season, and the Penguins owned them and schooled them. They dominated them. Why is that? Well, now in watching this final... There's something that I realize about why the Penguins were able to do what they did to the Bolts in the regular season, and that's that the Avs are just going right at them. Very, very few teams do that with Tampa. Tampa tends to take uh, a strong and sturdy stance, both in the middle of the rink and in terms of the counterattack. Colorado renders all of that moot. Colorado just comes at you with all guns blazing. You never stop defending when these guys are on the rink. And, you know, as long as I'm drawing parallels with Pittsburgh teams from the past here, I'll go to the much more recent past and compare this Colorado team to the 2016 Penguins, meaning before they got all those guys banged up the following year and had to win the 2017 Cup through uh, grit and everything else. The 2016 team, when HBK was hatched and you had three lines just flying in your direction all night long, were the last team I've seen in hockey take this approach and pull it off successfully. Yes, they could defend. The 2016 Penguins could defend. But they defended in that Mike Sullivan way where they tracked back on the forwards. They made sure that they not only got the puck from you, but that they made a smart first pass to make it count in terms of the transition game. The Avs are doing that across the board. All four lines, all three pairings. Yes, even Jack Johnson has been terrific on the transition. And let's not remember that the one thing that nobody could really knock Johnson for in his time in Pittsburgh, was that he was able to make a decent first pass. And this, while it's, again, it's a great brand of hockey, but it would be greater if it could be countered. And Tampa's not going to do that. I mean, again, they might have a game, whatever, where they, you know, spare some embarrassment and keep it from being a sweep. 
But wow, this is not at all a result that's in doubt. When we come back, J1Q. get that number two overall pick from the Devils. Uh, it ain't happening, Oli. Uh, New Jersey management is fully aware of the age bracket with which they've been building for a while. They're fully appreciating that Jack Hughes, who's going to be an enormous part of their future, did break out this past season. Actually, when I say he broke out, it's more that he bulked up. Uh, he went through some time there in the NHL where he clearly did not have NHL strength. Uh, He's got that now, and he's beginning to make an impact. But they've had a really, really young roster for a while now with very little, by the way, when it comes to even veteran fill-ins or role models or whatever. They've just been a bunch of kids. So to get away from that would make no sense. Now, I know why you're asking this for anybody who doesn't. Logan Cooley from... Wes Mifflin is expected to be the number two overall pick. And while it would be absolutely beautiful for the Penguins to take the highest ever selected Pittsburgh player, there are a couple things that I'll throw into this. One is that Logan would very quickly kill a lot of the warm and fuzzy by letting everybody know that he's grown up a Capitals fan, which he has. One thing that doesn't get uh, recognized a lot around here is that even though somebody is born, even raised in the Pittsburgh area, you still have to do so much in the way of travel hockey in order to make it. You can't just say, well, I'm going to stay here in Pittsburgh and I'm going to be a great player for Bethel Park High School. And I'm singling out Bethel Park because they were way ahead of most local schools when it came to having an advanced scholastic program. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You just don't face competition that pushes you enough. You have to go elsewhere. You have to move around. You have to be part of, whether it's the, the Penguins' own traveling programs or another one, or you go to some Uh, prep schools or other things like that before you can become eligible to play in a college. And of course, for the very, very top guys, college is never a thing. So don't hold it against him. Uh, But no, it's not happening. The Penguins have the 21st pick overall uh, by every accounting and from everything that I hear, they won't be moving, meaning in either direction. They're not giving up the first rounder, so there actually will be another pick brought into the system, some other hope, I guess, for a system that's been lacking that for a very, very long time. Uh, I'll be up there to cover that draft in Montreal. I'm very much looking forward to it, but I'm looking forward to it in much the same spirit as the drafts that I used to cover a long time ago when they would actually make a selection. You have to do that. You have to do that. Uh, This is not, by all reckoning, a great class once you get past Cooley and a couple others. And while that's not a great thing to hear when your team is picking 21st, it also can mean 
that players that are higher on your own internal board have a better chance of falling to you. So if you believe really, really strongly in someone and you have them at four or five on your board, they could actually be there for you at 21 without you lying to reporters afterwards. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun, but it won't be anywhere near that much fun, Oli. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one tomorrow. Mm-hmm.